Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Pod wherever you get your podcasts. Saturday. Welcome back into the Arrowhead Pride Best of the Week podcast. I'm host and audio producer of the Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network, Stephen Serta. The Chiefs are in Indianapolis to take on the 0-1-1 Colts for a Sunday noon kickoff Arrowhead time. But we've got plenty from this week to get you caught up on. We'll start things off with the Arrowhead Pride editor show. They broke down the Willie Gay suspension that came down on Monday. Willie Gay will not be with the Chiefs for the next four games after that. We'll hear from Out of Structure. They talked about replacing Willie Gay over the next month as the Chiefs have some very tough matchups coming up. After that, the Great British Chiefs show took our first deep dive on the Indianapolis Colts this week. After that, we're going to take a quick timeout. When we get back, Chiefs Coast to Coast discussed how the Chiefs will beat the Colts even in an easy matchup on paper. After that, we will finish things up with Show and BK discussing what the Chiefs need to do when they have the ball on Sunday. That's all coming up on today's Arrowhead Pride Best of the Week. One of the uh, more fun times of the week, John, as we we discuss our our marinated takeaways. Uh, Steve made us a a nice new sounder. I heard that in the post-editing this week, but we're actually hearing it in our ears. Uh, what do you what do you think of the uh, marinated takeaways, Jan? Here, right. uh, well, I, I just hope it doesn't take years for us to come up with these. I was ch- <laughs> chuckling over that. <laughs> Things yes, can move yes. much too fast for that. I'm sorry. <laughs> so the Chiefs end up winning this game, twenty seven to twenty four, uh, first division game of the year, and it's against the team that I think probably of the other three teams in the division looks the best right now. The Broncos look. No other way to say this, and I know that a lot of Chiefs fans are smiling about this. They look pretty awful at this point. I mean, they almost lost mm-hmm. to the Houston Texans yesterday. The Raiders completely folded in in their game, losing um, to the Arizona Cardinals after building a twenty to nothing lead. They ended up losing twenty nine to twenty three in overtime, and so the Chargers feel like the biggest threat. So to get this game early is a is a good thing. Now. Let's dial back and, and talk about what we what we thought about this game, John. And I'll start with you for your very first marinated takeaway. Well, um, I agree that the Chargers look like the the real competitor uh, within the division after two games, which is always going to be a limited point of view anyway. Yeah. But uh, looking back, we probably should have credited the Los Angeles defense a little more than we did mm-hmm. uh, going into this game. I mean, I you know it's always easy to look back on your prediction, but I think I called for a a 31 24 chiefs win. And that was just a little bit too optimistic in terms of, you know, what uh, Los Angeles's defense could do. So uh, we probably should have given them a little more credit and they do in fact have a couple of outstanding players on that defense. who really showed up in this Mm -hmm. game and, and, uh, and that made a difference. I just get the feeling, and, and this is to your point too about the Chargers. I, I just get the feeling that 
one of these teams, be it the Chiefs or the Chargers, are going to be pretty ticked off to be the fifth seed in the AFC because yeah. <laughs> I, I could see them both being like 12 and five. Right. Yeah. And, you know, the, you know, the Chargers could be 12 and five and have a better record than the third and fourth seats in the AFC. If, if that how that's how it, it kind of plays out, that's that's the, the division, um, you know, the division gets you into the dance, but you can end up ha- having to go on the road, even if you have a better record because of the way that that works out. Uh, the Chargers uh, defense is is it's scary. Joey Bosa and Khalil Mack are scary. Derwin James looks great. And mm-hmm. uh, and I think the yeah. Chiefs were fortunate to come away with this win. I mean, if that interception does not get overturned, Chiefs probably lose this game. I mean, if we're being honest with each other, so they they got a little bit of a break there with the ball hitting the turf. They reversed it, and uh, we know what happened after that. My first takeaway is not on the Chargers, but on the Kansas City Chiefs, and it goes along with the theme that we've been talking about for months now. And so it's a little bit of me repeating myself, but I don't care. I'm going to do it anyway. In this Tyree Kill post Tyree Kill world we're living in. I just find that this team may be better and might be built to be more of a consistent winner based on the way they're, they're built. And, and this game was, a, I think, a, a, a perfect um, microcosm of what I think this team is as far as being complete. I just think they're a more complete team than I can recall covering um, even in, in the Super Bowl year. Like The defense wasn't that good until the end um, mm-hmm. in, in the Super Bowl year. Right now... The offense did have its, have its struggles, but look, they they got it done. They won the game because of of a pick six by Jalen Watson, and I think some of the pressure that they were able to get on Justin Herbert. Herbert was never comfortable. He ended up, uh, I believe, the the injury was broken cartil- rib cartilage, which it was Ouch. on a yeah, it was on a clean hit. He you know he, he tried to you know, fight his way through, but I mean they were they were all over Herbert all night, and that's on the defensive side. And then you know you look at special teams and how Matt Amendola steps up in, in a, in a big spot. I mean, I, I understand that it's only a, um, a, what was it? 19 yard field goal to tie the game, but you're an arrowhead. It's rocking. This is your next chance to be a kicker in the NFL. You know, ideally for Amendola, what he wants is this little tryout to turn into a kicker job elsewhere. Um, And to, to make that kick and then to make the, the other kick to kind of seal the deal, uh, ended up being really the game-winning points because the Chargers got to 24. Uh, so um, to me, you know, you you look at Patrick Mahomes, and we know about spreading the football, where you have four receivers with 40 or more yards. I mean, Travis Kelsey led the team in yards with 51. Uh, you're really spreading the ball at that point. You have the defense, and you have the special teams. And I just, I don't know. I feel like I like this team more now maybe than I even did in the, the Legion of Zoom era that was with Tyreek Hill. I think that's an excellent point. I think the defense isn't getting enough credit at this point. Um, I they think never start lot- fast with Spags, too, and right. they're starting fast. Right. Yeah, and and I think that's the thing that, that people don't want to recognize. I think a lot of people have made up their minds um, on, you know, what, Spag- what Spagnola brings to the team, and they don't want to see anything past that. And I think that's unfortunate. Um, you know, I get why they feel that way. It's not comfortable to watch the team start slow on defense and start in the case of last year, super slow (laughs) on defense. I mean, they just look terrible, uh, through the opening weeks of the season last year. There's no, there's no arguing about that, but they turned around at the end. They get to the AFC championship game. 
they ranked 10th in points allowed over the whole season, even after being terrible in the first part of the season. You know, this is a defensive coordinator who's going to be around for a while, and not just because he's Andy Reid's friend, which he is. And uh, but it's he's he's doing a good enough job to keep it. And uh, and I think we're seeing that in the opening weeks of this season. So we're going to pause marinated takeaways right now for yep. some some mm-hmm. breaking news here. And, you know, speaking of the defense clicking on all cylinders, this is a, a big hit. Willie Gay yes. uh, has been suspended by the NFL for the January arrest in Overland Park on misdemeanor property damage uh, and the uh, suspension will begin immediately. So they will not have him for the next four days. We were unsure if this would eventually turn into a suspension. I did not think that if it did, it would be four games. I'm a little confused as to why, if this was an offseason thing, how the decision didn't come down to include the first two games of the season, but it is what it is. It, it finally came through the, the wire here. And so I'm going to pull up the schedule right now for a second. Um, and that means wow. he will miss games against the Indianapolis Colts, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the Las Vegas Raiders, and the Buffalo Bills. Uh, and so that is a significant, significant hit to the defense, John. Yeah, well, uh, this is why they have uh, uh, Darius Harris on the team. Um, he actually played very well when he had to fill in when Anthony Hitchens and uh, was it was it Gay who was out then? Yeah, uh, a couple step, years ago. Step in and I, yeah, I it was and, Yeah, yeah, and uh, and and he did well in the preseason this year and uh, found himself earning a spot on the roster. So I think we're going to see opportunities for him and also for Leo Chanel. It's next man up. You know, yeah. this is this is what happens. Yeah. And I'm I, I'm stunned by the uh, the um, the number of games for this. Right. But, um, you know, the NFL has its own way of doing things and they continue to prove it over and over again. (laughs) Yeah. And we know that. And this is the, you know, the the benefit of of the situation for for off the field. We know that Willie Gay is in a better place. Remember, he had gone through some mental stuff last year. This was obviously um, something that wasn't good. It seemed like there was a situation with him and and it's domestic. Um, And it was a it was called misdemeanor. Um, criminal damage gay was at his son's house visiting he and the mother got into an argument during which he broke their vacuum um i remember rapaport uh, ian rapaport at the time said no one was touched beyond the broken appliance uh, and he was charged with destruction of property of less than one thousand dollars and and it was in jail in january and uh now yeah now you're getting the the personal conduct policy we haven't seen the league i can't recall them really tapping into the personal co- conduct policy recently all that much. I'm a, I'm a little surprised that this got a suspension at all. I'm very surprised with the length of it. Um, again, the, the problem with the league and these suspensions is there's no precedent or rhyme or reason. Mm-hmm. And so yep. it, the, the, I get it. You know, you know, you have a personal conduct policy. Everyone knows the rules, but like, it's just a little random for me. Like wh- why mm-hmm. is it so random? You know what I mean? And, mm-hmm. the, and you can't you can't ever really predict is this even a suspension and 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 if it is like wh- what are they using to to say okay it's four games instead of two I, I just I don't understand that's where I, that's my only like hang up there I, I think the Chiefs will be fine I think 
I think they'll attack the second level. The opposing teams are going to start attacking the second level um, a little bit more consistently early in the game. So the, the backups are going to have to play well. But I, 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 my complaint is just I, I don't get the rhyme or reason of the league. Well, uh, we rarely do. And there are plenty of people outside of Kansas City who would use Tyreek Hill as an example. You know, there are plenty of people outside of Kansas City who don't didn't read the same news stories we read right. while all that was going on. They only followed the first headlines that came out of that situation and believe that Tyreek Hill should have had a very long suspension instead of some, instead of none at all. And so uh, another example, you know, uh, from a different perspective of how random this can be. I think they did the right thing with Tyreek Hill. And, um, you know, I, I'm not sure how this ends up being four games. And, and so I'm right there with you. This just seems totally random to me. Um, that was I, I get that they want to do something, but why not a game? Why not two games? That know? was that was the, the complaints in in Cleveland with with Deshaun sure. Watson. It's like sure. So it's just eleven games, right? Like how how did we land here? Like yeah. I don't know. I just think it, I, I think it needs to be a little bit more transparent of 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 when certain guys get suspended for different reasons. Well, I'm going to look at it from an on-field perspective because something I did for the site this week was look at how the Chiefs' defense uh, fared against the Chargers and how they kind of ultimately – they got those five stops in the second half, right? Five consecutive drives. The Chargers did not score points. Kind of the difference in the game because that sixth drive was when they were already down 10 um, and scored that touchdown, and, and it was kind of too little too late. But Willie Gay was a big part of it, man. He, he pretty much led the team in tackles. He was all over the place, um, and, and that's – even with some miss, some missed opportunities, um, you know, some missed tackles, uh, you know, in the backfield on running backs, um, the interception towards the end of the game, him and Bolton both went for it and, 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 and neither got it. But, uh, and I'll actually have that broken down on, in the article, but I was actually a really good play by Willie Gay and, and actually just really good disguise coverage by Spags. Um, kind of fooling Herbert into thinking everyone's in man coverage, but they were actually in zone. And that's why you, it looked like Herbert just threw it right to, you know, two linebackers. It was because he thought the linebackers would move um, because he thought they were in man coverage. So um, Spagnola should definitely get some credit for, for how they played on, on, on Thursday. But a lot of it was with, with the linebackers, you know, um, Willie Gay and Nick Bolton just being the centerpiece of it, just being all over the field, being able to stay in those nickel situations. I know we talked about that last week, but that really is a, a crucial part of this, of this game and, and this team right now is being able to stay in those two linebacker sets you know, whether it is third and long, whether it is, you know, maybe third and short or, you know, whatever situation, trusting that you keep your 11 best players on the field, Sneed, Gay, and Bolton as those three second-level defenders against the run and against the pass. Well, now that, you know, now that Gay's suspension is coming down, man, they might have to go back to playing a lot more dime um, like we saw them do last year where you see those three safety sets. You're going to see a lot more Brian Cook. Um, and what happens in those cases is, yes, you have more defensive backs on the field, but you're a lot more susceptible against the run, right? You know, teams are going to be a lot more willing to run those draw plays that, you know, maybe it's a third and five, you know, they catch you by surprise because you're in that such a light personnel and you're expecting the pass. They wouldn't maybe be as, as comfortable doing that against Willie Gay and Nick Bolton if they're both on the field. So that's kind of where the difference comes in. And, and, and also it's just taking, you know, a veteran, not a veteran maybe, but Willie Gay has been in the system for three years. Brian Cook, a rookie coming in and kind of, you know, playing snaps instead on those important downs. So it does affect the defense and, and it makes them more predictable. I think the the beautiful part of keeping all the, you know, the nickel package on the field was you're a lot less predictable. You don't know exactly what's going to happen, you know, how they're going to, you know, deploy the defense. Well, now, you know, it, it seems like 
offenses may be able to dictate what the defense does more um, without without Gay. So it's a big loss, man. I I definitely think um, I'm, I'm glad. I'm definitely glad, uh, you know, it, it didn't happen before the Chargers game, I guess I would say. But because <laughs> he was a big part of that, even though there were some missed tackles. You know, I appreciate that on-field analysis. I was going to make the same point about the, them being uh, less predictable when you when you can keep those three down linebackers going right. all the time. I think that does make a big difference. Uh, as far as the off-field stuff, uh, we don't want to get too far into the, the league's logic behind the suspensions. But it looks really lopsided. It looks really inconsistent on the surface. Uh, that a guy like Willie Gay gets four games for for his incident when when others have been have been uh, uh, less or, or more for for you know other scenarios. But you, you mentioned that the league actually has a, a sort of a defined policy here that this falls right into. Yeah, uh, it's it from what I've gathered and what I've seen um, smart people smarter than me on Twitter talk about. Uh, it, it seems like um, in any sort of you know, filing or case that falls under this domestic violence umbrella, which, you know, this does, um, you know, I know it's, it's easy to just say, Hey, the vacuum cleaner, you know, that's all it was. Well, you know, I think a vacuum cleaner was broken because maybe there were some, you know, threatening actions um, against, you know, uh, someone else in the home and, and that's not okay. Right. And, and that's, you know, and that's where I don't want to diminish, you know, what this case is and what we know about it, it just kind of came as a surprise to everybody. Right. I mean, no one really even was thinking about it anymore. Obviously it happened last January, but, yeah, so the, the NFL uh, tends to apparently, you know, um, if it's under that umbrella, it's six games automatically. He gets four games. So I think the inference there was, hey, you know, they're giving him four games knowing that, you know, it, it may not be to the extreme level that most of the domestic violence cases we see in the NFL are. Um, so they're going to maybe reduce it to that four. But that might be why he's not appealing it either, right, is that it, sh- it maybe could be six. They've already gotten it down to four for him. And so maybe that's why we're not seeing any sort of action towards it. Cause you know, he's saying, Hey, I'm going to get it out of the way. I'm going to, and the team probably is telling him too, Hey, get it out of the way. We need you for the home stretch. Yeah. You're going to miss some important games, but it's better than appealing it, appealing it. And then, you know, getting a six game suspension later down the line or something uh, because he, he tried so hard to appeal it. Yeah. We, we definitely want to go on record. This is a anti-domestic violence podcast. We're, uh, we're certainly not uh, making light of the situation. Uh, you know, any threatening and, and uh, you know, violence in the home is, is bad. And, and it's something that the league used to not take seriously at all. And, and now they, they've you know, at least put some parameters around it uh, and, and taken some action. So uh, as much as it, it, it's negative for the Chiefs, it's just one of those things that, that uh, they got to deal with and, and get past. The timing is a little bit odd to have this happen after week two. Um, you know, there's a lot of conspiracy theorists out there saying, well, they wanted to let them get past the Chargers, but then they they want to make sure that they uh, that the Bills game is is uh, high scoring. You know, there's there's all kinds of these uh, ideas out there, but uh, we can look at this upcoming stretch, and they'll be without him for the Chiefs Colts game, the, the Buccaneers game, uh, the Raiders game, uh, and the Bills game. And so, uh, again, prior to the season, that was kind of a murderer's row. You thought that. Um, the Raiders were going to be really good. Uh, you know, the, the Tampa Bay and, and uh, the Colts were both uh, playoff caliber teams. There might be some question marks in, in all of, all three of those teams. Now, the Buffalo showdown is going to be it's going to be epic once again, and that looks like a, a runaway freight train right now. But uh, they can probably get by these next three games uh, without him. Uh, but that Bills game, they're going to have to really. Uh, have some other guys step up in order to make that a successful uh, endeavor. 
Yeah, no, this the, you're right. The stretch is not as daunting as it looked before. That is definitely true. I mean, even the Buccaneers, right? I mean, I don't know. Tampa hasn't looked anything special either. I mean, the Saints nearly shut him out for most of that game if Jameis doesn't throw him a few interceptions um, this past week. So, yeah, no, I, I definitely think, you know, it, it's not as murderous row as we thought before. And this team is good enough to survive, you know, Willie Gay's four game suspension, you know, I could see them going three and one out of, out of it. You know, I, I really could. And, and it's not a huge deal at the end of it, but I, I do think, you know, the defense just in general, just looking at the defense by itself, you know, not looking at the whole team win or loss, the defense is definitely not going to be as good um, without Willie. I, I definitely think that's the case. And I think, I especially think, you know, with, with who the, which linebackers will come in, right. We don't know for sure if they're just going to throw Leo in there full time, maybe they have Leo in rundowns and maybe, you know, Elijah Lee, the veteran kind of comes in for passing downs. Maybe I am. I, and maybe even Darius Harris, just because he's been around for a long time, maybe he gets some action too. I don't know, Stags, if you have, if you have any uh, preferences on which one you'd want to see and kind of how they do it, but that's kind of what I'm fascinated in is, is which linebacker is, is forced to step up the most uh, besides uh, Nick Bolton, obviously. Yeah, I would imagine it's Harris. I saw a couple people speculating on Twitter that maybe it's Cochran coming up. That's the reason they called him up for the practice <laughs> squad. That would be uh, bold, to say the least. Um, I, I think Harris is probably the safe choice. He had that one preseason game where he was uh, probably the best player on the field, at least for a series or two. So, you know, there, there's some hope there, but – I think he's a guy that the coaching staff uh, trusts and they can rely on. Uh, I'd rather see them sort of be able to run what they want to run, just plug him in. And, and yeah, he's not going to be as good as Gay was, but at least the defense can do what they were going to do anyway uh, with him in in the fold. I think once you start really trying to isolate uh, Leo Chanel in – really specific situations, then like you said, it becomes predictable. Right. You know, you've got a lot of substitutions going on and teams are going to find a way to isolate him in coverage, you know, on a running back uh, or, or a tight end. And that's going to uh, going to end badly. So, you know, we'll, we'll see how it plays out. I, I think there's a decent chance, like you said, that they could get to, you know, if they went three and one in these next uh, these next four games, then all of a sudden they're at five and one in their first six in a right. season where they thought that this was going to be a really, really challenging schedule. I think anybody would be happy with that uh, scenario. Um, now that after that, they hit into a de- fairly tough stretch still with the, the Niners, the Titans and the, and the Jags, you know, that that's nothing to, to sneeze about, but uh, at least they would get off to a pretty solid start uh, at, at five and one, or even four and two, uh, I think you still feel pretty good about the the team's chances heading into the uh, the second half of the season. Mm-hmm. I thought I'd look back at the Colts and and see their previous season and where it all went wrong. Let's say for the Colts because last year they started off six and one. I don't know if you, you'll remember that. You must remember that. Surely they went. They started the season six and one. Yeah, and Jonathan Taylor was going to win the MVP. Yes, exactly. Yet they finished it nine and eight. Now, they seem to have picked up where they left off this year as well because um, I think they, I think the last game they played last year was actually against the Jags, where they were they they felt as though because the Jags were so so terrible last year, mm-hmm. they were actually going to steamroller over them and and obviously try and uh, make it into the into the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Clearly, they lost that game, and this week or the week just gone, they lost against the Jags again. I mean, they were pummeled by the Jags. 
Yes. Royally were. pummeled by the Jags. Yeah. And obviously Matt Ryan, um, he, he had last year, I mean, they brought Matt Ryan in, didn't he? And he had last year the worst QBR rating of his career last year. Yeah. Now he's in the Colts. It doesn't look as though it's going to get improved anytime soon either. No. Um, because, um, like we said, watching that, that 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 game against the Jags this week, that was terrible. And and to look at that Colts team with so many pro bowlers on that team. Yeah, you come on. Yeah. I mean, Go we've on, said come before, on. You, pro bowlers. Look, look like... at the name, look at the pro bowlers in the list though. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's like Quentin Nelson, yes. They've got Quentin Nelson, all. yes. Obviously, Jonathan Taylor. Matt Ryan. Abs- absolutely. <laughs> Matt Ryan, <laughs> Stefan Gilmore. How did Matt Ryan get into it if like, he's got the worst QBR of his of his the, career? Sorry, uh, how did he get into the Pro Bowl if he's, he had the last year of his, the worst QBR? Because it's, it's a popularity contest. I don't know who's voting for Matt Ryan's <laughs> most. Um, obviously, you've got Darius Leonard. He's a good player. Yeah, the Forest Buckner. Yeah, he's a good player. But you, this this team, I, I in general is just so talent poor and poorly coached right now. Now, before we get into the Colts, the current day Colts, I have to, I found my Parker Einger thing, okay? Oh, go on then. Yeah. I found it as per reference. See, I know something, I remember something happened with Parker Einger in that game. Yeah. It wasn't his debut for the Chiefs. By the way, the Chiefs beat the Colts on the 30th of October, 2016, and they won 30 to 14. Nick Foles did play that game. So because you got that wrong, I get £25 yeah. off you. Is that yeah, right? okay, yeah, fair yeah, enough. Yeah. But Parker Einger got a season-ending injury in that game. Ah, right. There we go. It wasn't his debut. It was, yeah. in fact, the climax of his season or the finale of his season, should we say. Oh, well, just send Anyways, you don't owe me £25 for now. And No, just send the money in the post. That'd be fine. Uh, okay, and the Chiefs Kingdom just learned a little something about Parker Einger. <laughs> and betting in Britain. <laughs> but, but, but we're back to Matt Ryan. I just don't get it. I don't no. get the cult. I don't like, I like Chris Ballard. I do like him. And like some people were upset when obviously he left because people wanted him to be the guy to replace John Dorsey. Mm. They didn't want it to be Brett Veach. Obviously those people are clearly wrong. Yeah. I've now been proven wrong, but Chris Ballard overall seems like a good dude. Seems like an okay sort of a GM, but he just keeps getting the quarterback position wrong. Yeah massively wrong like you think about since he's been in charge there he's obviously had to deal with Andrew Luck retiring and no one foresaw that happening that was just totally out of the blue but since then you've rode you've he's ridden with what Philip Rivers Carson Wentz and now Matt Ryan like yeah it's like a who's who of bad quarterbacks isn't it like Matt Ryan basically is Philip Rivers with an, but he has an MVP and a Super Bowl appearance. That he his career he's tra- better than Philip Rivers. He, he's better than Philip Rivers, and <laughs> and if if I tell you what, don't make me start on the whole Phil Rivers going to Canton thing because winding you up. Because if Phil Rivers gets into Canton, then you have to put Matt Ryan in. You oh. simply have to because you Matt Ryan has more there, yards, yeah, more yards, an MVP and a Super Bowl appearance, and he is like the greatest Super Bowl comeback of all time away from winning a Super Bowl as well. Yeah. And it's rare for players, quarterbacks especially, to win a Super Bowl and an MVP and not make the Hall of Fame. Normally that's a shoe in It's yeah. what's going to get Eli Manning in the Hall of Fame at the end of the day. That's what's going to, the two Super Bowl rings. But anyway, that's a different point. Yeah. 
But Matt Ryan right now, this version, this statue version of Matt Ryan that will not simply move off his spot. Defences are just playing him and they're just teeing off. They are simply just teeing off because the Colts have no wide receivers to write home apart, apart from Michael Pittman Jr., who's injured and questionable for Sunday with a quad, a quad injury. Yeah. They have what? Who's it? Paris Campbell, who's done little to nothing. His second round pick entering in the yeah. league a few years ago. He's done little to nothing. Can't even tell you who the other wide receivers are. Titan, they have no one. Naeem they have Naeem Hines yeah. as a receiving option out the backfield. They obviously have Jonathan Taylor. But teams are just teeing off on, on Jonathan Taylor and Matt Ryan and just saying, right, we'll stop you two because we don't have to worry about the nobodies in the rest of the offense. Yeah. Like the, the Colts, I look at the Colts and all I see is a team that are just the most old school, boring vanilla style of offense that we have in the NFL right now. Their, their, their theory is run the football and let their one wide receiver make plays. Yeah. There's there's no variation. They have a they have a quarterback that doesn't move out the pocket. They have a, a run game which they're heavily reliant on, and they have one wide receiver. That is early two thousands football style. That's not that's not football made for twenty twenty two. It's not football made for the last five or six years. It's the type of football that every now and then the Patriots could get away with. But guess what? They had Tom Brady. Yeah, well, <laughs> they don't yeah. have Matt Ryan. They also had an excellent defense but not the Indianapolis Colts. They are so talent poor on offense that when they're relying on someone like Matt Ryan to try and make a comeback against the bloody Jacksonville Jaguars, they can't even manage it against them. They are so poor offensively. Like they've played the two, the worst teams in the NFL in the previous two weeks and they've come away from it winless. I actually tipped them stupidly to win 10, 10 games this year and win the AFC South. Now I'll be surprised if they finish third in their division. They've looked, they've started the season that, that badly. Frank Reich, he is on a hot seat. His bottom is burning right now. Yeah. Because if they go 0 3 on Sunday, which I fully expect them to go 0 3, I, I really do expect the Chiefs to deal with the Colts quite handily, to be honest. Mm. Um, I hear all this talk about trap game. I don't believe it. I think the Chiefs are going to destroy the Colts. But when they go 0 3 on Sunday, their percentage, the chances of making the playoffs, dips and dips and dips they are just fortunate they are that they are in a division which has four terrible teams in it and you can probably win it with six or seven wins yeah yeah i agree with you i mean the offense did not shine at all and like you said one trick pony in uh in the fact that they have uh jonathan taylor which um he just really got snuffed out against the, the against the jags which again is surprising because in the first half he had five carries for five yards in the first half against the jags See, so you you as soon as you shut that down, yeah. What else you're relying? You're relying on Matt Ryan to beat you. <laughs> and and I'm a Matt, Matt Ryan. I'm a Matt Ryan guy. I like Matt Ryan. I wanted, to, but the year that he come out, I think it was the same year that it might have been the same year that Chiefs drafted Tyson Jackson, maybe or Glenn Dawson. He won those two. Yeah. And I was hoping that Matt Ryan was going to fall to the Chiefs. But at the, obviously, at that point, the Chiefs were in the ultimate quarterback purgatory. you're talking about Damon Hewitt Tyler Thigpen Brody Croyle those type of days that they were in purgatory and I wanted the Chiefs to draft Matt Ryan and had the Chiefs drafted Matt Ryan that year I would have been very happy and for 10 years he looked like a very good serviceable quarterback but he's just hit the wall he has hit the wall. He's hit like, do you remember Matt Schwab, the old Texans quarterback that yes. was very good for a few years? Well, I say very good, serviceable for a few years, and then just kind of hit a wall and just fell off a cliff. And that's what's happening with Matt Ryan now. 
Mm. He's got to a point in his career where he's just not very good anymore. The game's kind of gone above and beyond him. You cannot have, unless you are have got supreme arm talent like Tom Brady or when Aaron Rodgers moves out of the pocket, basically, unless you're Tom Brady, you have to be able to move <laughs> as a quarterback. It's all and about... Matt Ryan, Matt Ryan about your reads move, so he's well. getting left behind. Sorry? Yeah. It's all about your reads and stuff as well and pre-snap and things like that, isn't it? And it doesn't yeah, seem I, I don't I don't doubt I don't doubt Matt Ryan and Matt Ryan's mental ability at all. I, I still can imagine that he's up there with the best of them. But physically, he's just so far behind in terms of arm talent of Tom Brady and the ability to move like Mahomes, like Rogers, like I don't know, even Justin Herbert. His ability to his lack of ability to be able to move mm. is just damp like hampering him and teams are just teeing off him they know all they need to do is close the pocket they don't need to try and set an edge against him they don't have to worry about any of that smother their piss poor wide receivers and they're going to have a have an easy day against them and the jacksonville jaguars did that perfectly on sunday and that's a reason why the the colts didn't score any points um, I feel like we have to give him some uh, some sliver of praise in a way, a little bit maybe, or some glimmer of hope, let's say. That's probably not praise. Praise is probably a bad word. But I didn't think defence looked particularly all that bad. You didn't watch the same game as no, me. No, 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 no. They were bad, but when you compare them with the other half of the team, they were probably the only glimmer of hope they've got to actually even competing against the Chiefs. I think it's been established tonight on podcasts that you don't know how to evaluate no. <laughs> defences. I'm not saying this, this I, Colts defence is like world beaten and it's 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 going to be the major issue, but what I'm saying... Zay Jones, on a very... Evan Ingram, <laughs> Christian Kirk, Trevor Lawrence, who hasn't been very good in his career so far. That, uh, James, uh, James Robinson yeah. and... Who's the other running back? Uh, Etienne for the Jacksonville Jaguars. That is not an elite cast of offensive weapons. No. But they looked elite because of the Colts' defence. Yes. Like Trevor Lawrence, that was the first time in his entire career that he's looked like a first-round quarterback <laughs> yeah. on Sunday. Yeah, they yeah. couldn't stop the run. They couldn't stop the pass. They just didn't know what to do. Like even the goal line plays with Tra- Tra- Trevor Lawrence running a little out with the option pass to Christian Kirk. Like, imagine the fun that Andy Reid's going to have down the goal line against this Colts defense. I'm trying to give him a glimmer of hope, Tom. Come on, let me help, help me out here. Like, <laughs> out, of, out of both sides of the ball, the defense is probably their only glimmer of hope. I think going into this, this uh, game no, the I think I don't. I don't. I think the defense can't win the game, though. No, the defense ain't going to win. They're not going to win this game. They're just simply not. Um, I don't care how loud Lucas Oil is. It is at Lucas Oil Stadium, isn't it? It so, yeah. is a, yeah, yeah, yeah. It is a road game. Um, I don't care how loud Lucas Oil Stadium is. I just cannot see a way the Colts win this game. Maybe, maybe if Jonathan Taylor truly goes off and the team commit to like a death by paper cuts type of run through Jonathan Taylor, maybe the fact that Willie Gay isn't going to be there on Sunday may make a little bit of a difference. But I think this game's probably teeing up perfectly for a Leah Chanel type of game if I'm being perfectly honest like yeah. he's a thumper who wants to hit let him go hit the Colts offensive line let him go hit their running backs maybe maybe they can have some success there with moving the ball maybe maybe not but ultimately it's quarterback versus quarterback and Patrick Mahomes versus Matt Ryan 
slash Philip Rivers slash Carson Wentz. Mm. It, it just is it's a non it's a non no contest for me. The one thing that bothers me um about Jonathan Taylor is the fact that we will not have Willie Gay for this game for the next four games due to that suspension, won't we? Yeah. Um now he's been brilliant, Willie Gay. First, yes, first two has. games this season. Um and him and Nick Golden and they've been a, a, a fantastic but, pairing. But so I'm kind of a little bit concerned. I will be looking at that, I think, during the game, just thinking, right, you know, are they going to plug the gaps that, you know, Jonathan Taylor's going to be coming through? Um, and is got is that going to be enough, whoever we've got in that that linebacking group there? But um, that's the only thing that concerns me. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Pod wherever you get your podcasts. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. No, right now they're not a good team, but it's kind of unfair to judge them because they haven't even been close to 100%. And the guys they've been missing are key guys. It's not like they're just missing, you know, one of the worst guys in their starting lineup. They're missing arguably the best linebacker in football, Shaq Leonard, who should probably be back this week. They were missing their number one receiver last week and Michael Pittman. And they were missing Alec Pierce, who they picked in the second round at wide receivers. So, I mean, you insert those guys this week, you're instantly a much better team than you were against Jacksonville in week two. And then obviously they didn't have Leonard in week one or week two. So you're getting the best linebacker back against the Chiefs. So, yeah, we can really judge them after in this game and the next couple games when they're mostly at full. But, yeah, I mean, to answer your question, I mean, obviously they're not a good team because they just lost 24 to nothing. <laughs> To Jacksonville, I mean, obviously, like I said, despite the people missing, still kind of bad not to score even a single point in Jacksonville. It's pretty bad. And, you know, there's a question out there to see. I mean, I'm not willing to say it yet, but through the first two games, is Matt Ryan washed? I mean, we see quarterbacks that, you know, look good. Stop up it. Into their, I, know, I know you're oh, – I forgot you're an Atlanta guy, so you got a little personal bias here. I forgot about that. Be respectful. But, Watch yourself. But, uh, but, I mean, we've seen guys fall off the cliff when it's least expected. You know, you just really can't predict it. And, I mean, his arm does look pretty noodle-ish. I mean, you would be uh, naive not to agree with that <laughs> Yo, after you the wild. first two games. <laughs> Skip Gunnels has, has entered the chat. Wow, because I said, it, it, is his arm not noodle-ish right now? How do you determine if somebody's arm is noodle-ish? Is that is that a is that a sign? Uh, you could say just the the velocity off the ball, you know, next gen stats and stuff like that. You know, I'm not willing to say he's washed yet, but I I agree with you, and I, I'm kind of calling cap on what Big Red said. 
this isn't a good team. Uh, maybe they get a little extra juice because it is the home opener. Haven't been home yet this year. This I mean, season. what is Big Red going to say? This is a bad team. We're yeah, playing this week. I, mean, I remember when they played the Jets my first season here, and the Jets were like a one-win team. And heck, he said this about the Falcons when the Falcons came in here, and they were like a three-win team. <laughs> they almost won that game, but I don't know. You can't overlook anybody in this league. And he says it for a reason, whether whether there is some cap in there or not. I'm going to take him on his face value. I, I think Indy is dangerous. And while Matt may not be at the peak of his powers anymore, I'm not that naive and would say that he's still a, a top-flight quarterback. There's playmakers around the ball, and, and you're down a couple starters on defense any given Sunday in this league. I'm looking at the injury report now. Looks like Pierce and Pittman came back to practice in some form for Indianapolis on Wednesday when we're recording this. Something to monitor as the week continues for Kansas City. It's Harrison Butker and Mike Dana logging DNPs with their injuries. McCole Harvin, a limited participant with a heel injury. Um, so I, I I don't know, man. If you if you ask me on paper, this should be a win for Kansas City. Uh, but I, I, I tend to agree with agree with Big Reed and throw the yellow up, man. It's, I'm true to my nature. What can what can I say? <laughs> yeah, I mean, are we giving score predictions right now? We're doing that right now. I'm gonna let you handle that. I got one more piece uh, okay. uh, of news that I want to ask you about before we head out to Vegas. I I, I don't want to I don't want to give any any losers out. I'm feeling very even though I am feeling good about fantasy. I've only lost one matchup across four leagues through two weeks. But oh man, congrats to you on that, man. It's Happy early. Hey, appreciate you, big dog. Appreciate yeah. you. Yeah, but uh, no, I like the Chiefs to win this game by two touchdowns. Shocker. I mean, the Colts. <laughs> the Colts. I mean, look at the line. The Chiefs Shocker. are favored. The Chiefs are six and a half favorites on the road. How often do you see that? You you rarely see a team on the road favorited by that many points. So Vegas is telling you this is going to be a double-digit win. And the Colts, like I said, Matt Ryan is not the same guy anymore. His arm was never even that strong to begin with. And now it's even less at this point in his career. And like I said, now you're going to have extra possessions because I don't think the Colts are going to be able to sustain drives in this game. Like the Chargers, they did really good at ball control and converting on third down. I think the Colts are going to struggle in that department in this game, which means more possessions for Patrick Mahomes in this offense, and they're going to score 30-plus. Sounds like we're headed out to Vegas. I'm going to give your predictions. From, well, first and foremost, was that an official one? Are you, are you putting that down as one of your locks of the week for this game? Yeah, Chiefs minus six and a half. Yes, Chiefs minus six and a half. Well, let's go back first and review from, from, from week two. This was your Chiefs and Chargers predictions. You said McCole Hardman over on the receiving yards, 36 and a half. What was the official number? I know it hit. Um, yeah, he, he ended up with, I think, 49. And, and that was a good call. Uh, yeah, he 49 yards, correct there. So that was the win. And then you had Mahomes over rushing yards, 16 and a half. And yeah, he, didn't even, he didn't even run the ball at all. <laughs> Chiefs minus four, which was the back door of the it would, not of the century, yeah. but you could have seen it. I happening. got back door by a guy that had rib problems. <laughs> that was a hell of a throw, especially for him to it come was. back it, it, it in that way. It was a uh, nerve wracking moments there. But Margo's one for two in week two. That brings your record overall, I believe, to five and two. Five and two for the year. So everybody still got their home. Everybody still got their home. You've already given out one winner, hopefully, for week number three. What are the other ones, Mark? Yes, I got Chiefs minus six and a half. 
I'm going to take the over on Travis Kelsey receiving yards at 73 and a half. I think this number is really low considering what he did last week. And I, I know he had a, a bad week last week for stats. So that's why I'm saying that. Cause I think they're putting too much stock into what happened last week against a very, very good Chargers defense, very physical defense. And the Colts, the way their scheme, especially with Gus Bradley, the middle of the field is going to be open a lot in this game. And Mahomes kills Gus Bradley's defenses. He was the D.C. for the Raiders last year. So you know how those, you know how those two games went. They scored over 40 in each game. So <laughs> obviously he has better personnel with the Colts, but I still think they're going to be able to throw the ball around a lot. And I think Kelsey's going to eat, especially indoors. We know Mahomes' stats in the domes. So I think uh, Kelsey has a big day. And you know what? That's all I got for you today, this week. That's all I got. You know, I, every week you don't got to have three or four plays, you know. I don't got to force plays if I don't like them. So I only like he's, two plays this week. He's staying confident with his two plays, and we will keep you accountable. We'll track those and keep them back <clears throat> here on our next episode of Coast to Coast. This is my last thing before we take audience questions. I see a couple people with their hands up. Appreciate y'all waiting. Sky Moore only got two offensive snaps. No, it's been your guy. I know on this platform previously you said he was better than McCole Harbin, should be getting the, the work, the lion's share of the workload, all of the above. You love throwing that out there, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> you just Yo, love that out there. I, I, was, I, I even tweeted this out. I'm patient on this. I feel like there's enough ball to go around. Uh, Sky Moore is a rookie. Uh, he's shown that Mahomes will get him the ball. Eh, eh, two snaps in week two. Eh, I mean, I'm not over the moon about it, but I'm also not worried. Yeah, I'm not worried. I mean, I even expected maybe not two snaps, <laughs> but I expected him not to really be involved that much early in the season. I've always said wait till about midseason around the bye to really see him get incorporated in this offense. Now, hopefully it's a lot sooner than that, because I do think from a skill set standpoint, I do think he is ready to play now. I mean, he has the good release, great route runner already, good hands. So I think from that point, he's ready. Now, as far as the playbook and learning all the nuances of it and things of that nature, maybe not because we know how hard it is to learn the Andy Reid playbook. So maybe he's not all the way there yet. Or just maybe, just maybe, they're trying to give more hard men and NVS and Juju opportunities to prove their worth early on, you know, you know, kind of like a seniority type of thing. You know what I'm saying? So we'll see, but... I'm not concerned. I think he has a new element to this receiving room that they don't have yet. So I cannot wait until he's unlocked. Uh, let's get to the questions, my man. Well, what's that side for? Well, your last you said that they're giving Juju and MVS routes out of seniority, Mark. Come on, dog. I mean, I think I think Sky is a more refined route runner than both of those guys. <laughs> Why is that funny? Have you not seen his film? I see Man the Myth the Legend has speaking access. Let's go ahead. Wow, let's go ahead. Aaron, you are nasty, bro. Let's go ahead and bring them up. <laughs> hey, what's, what's, what's up? What's up? What's up, bro? I'm sorry, what was that? Uh, I was just saying, hey, I was going to. Oh, you got a lot of wind in your background. You outside? Yeah, my fault. Hold on. Uh, we'll get back to you. Hold on. We'll get back to you. My boy outside in Chicago. Well, you know, people actually doing the work. Not everybody has, you know, home service and delivery and food. You know, you... You live in a plus life out there in L.A. <laughs> what's up, CJ? How you Mark, doing? Mark, Aaron, what's going on, fellas? Hey, I'm chilling, man. Yo, 
So I'm gonna be at the game on Sunday. I just wanted to get y'all takes. What do you think is a bigger matchup? Our O line against their D line or our DBs against their receivers? When you say bigger matchup, like which like what yeah, like which one do you think is more important? Oh, uh, which one's more important? Mm, you said their D line against our O line? Yes, sir. Yeah, I think that's definitely more important because we saw last week when the Chargers got to Mahomes, you know, he got a little little shaken a little bit and he kind of rushed things at times and he wasn't able to really go through his progressions. And I think the Colts pass rush really hasn't been that good. They didn't sack Trevor Lawrence once last week. So, I mean, if they're going to give him a lot of time, especially in a dome and then against that Gus Bradley scheme, I think he's going to pick him apart. So I think that's definitely more important. Uh, as far as the result of the game, because I don't really think the Colts receivers are, are much to be scared of. I mean, I like Pittman, but outside of that, it, nothing really there I don't think is really coming from them at that point. I'll agree with Mark on this one. I, I think everything Kansas City likes to do is predicated off timing and keeping everything on script, and that all starts with the offensive line, uh, keeping Mahomes protected, and, and setting holes for the run game. Jeff Schwartz has done a really good job. Good, tw- good Twitter follower in the Chiefs community uh, uh, of highlighting some of the run work uh, that they've done with a with, with a banged up unit earlier in the year. I think KC's offensive line sets the tone for that offense. No, I completely agree. Appreciate the time, fellas. Hey man, you're, appreciate it, my boy. You're. <laughs> hey man, Myth, you ready, bro? Yeah, I'm ready. What's up, fellas? Hey, how you doing, man? Man, I'm doing pretty well. Um, I was over here trying to think of a good question I asked you guys and. I think I came up with how do we feel about our D lineman unit versus their offensive line? Um, we know that their offensive line is not uh, what it used to be in the past. So, how do we feel about that, and who do we feel like can expose a matchup? Yeah, so I know their O line definitely has holes. I believe at left guard and right tackle, if I'm not mistaken. I know one of those posi- two of those positions for sure are big question marks. I've even talked to several Colts fans and they've expressed that to me as well as I was doing some research on them. So yeah, they're definitely um, able to be had. I mean, Matt Ryan was sacked multiple times last week. He threw three picks because of pressure. So, I mean, I think the Chiefs D-line, I mean, you invested a lot in this D-line for a reason. So this is a prime game to get after because let's be honest, the first two games, you went against Kyler Murray. We know how mobile and shifty he is. And then you went against Justin Herbert. He's not as mobile as Kyler, but he's still not a statue back there. He's a guy that can move around, manipulate the pocket, and extend plays. That's not the case here with Matt Ryan. This will be the first, quote-unquote, statue they're facing at quarterback. So if you're, go- if you're not going to get after Matt Ryan, I don't know who you're going to get after. All right, we do this every week. When the Chiefs have the ball, all right, BK, what, what is this to you? What what jumps out for you now? You talked about, you said 44-21, just like Arizona. All right, when they got the ball, what jumps out to you? Ron, I know that you are a man that has some sports horniness to you. Oh, man. What oh, is God. it in life that gets oh, you God. the most excited? What it like what when when this happens? Ron is at his peak excitement. Pant, pants come off for me with big plays. I'm a, I'm a, big, sounds. I'm a big play guy. Yeah, I'm, yeah, fan over. I was thinking more in life in general, but yeah, football <laughs> also could work. Yeah, either way. Because if you're Patrick Mahomes, I don't think there is anything in life that brings him more joy than seeing one safety deep in the middle of the field. Mm. That single high coverage 
cover three, old Seahawks style. He looks at that and he is licking his lips. He is ready to go. It's like Ron when he's got a barbecue cookout outside. He's ready to go. He's about to tear into them ribs. Let's go, baby. That is Patrick Mahomes against single high safeties. Especially if it's not Earl Thomas back there is that single high safety. Let me tell you, Gus Bradley is ready to run some single high. And he is not going to veer from his plan. This is all he does. It is all he knows. This is it. And Gus Bradley is now the defensive coordinator for the Indianapolis Colts. He's running the same stuff he did with the Las Vegas Raiders. It didn't work for him there. It is not going to work for him in Indianapolis. This should, Ron, get you excited because I think this has a chance to be a huge game for at least one of McCole Hardman or Marquez Valdez-Scantling. Those are your two deep threats, and against single high coverage, there's going to be some opportunities to get this deep passing game going again against this specific type of a defense. Yeah, and you would imagine they're probably going to try to sink down and take away Kelsey and Mm -hmm. just have that and have – I mean, have the the – the, the flood floodgates open down the field race and, 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 and I don't know what the hell I'm trying to say, but I'm, but I'm, <laughs> I'm getting sports money right now. Just thinking about, you know, the different numbers. Sky Moore, running Sky Moore free, deep down the field, running free. Yeah. yeah. Him, yeah. He better. Justin he better Watson. Make, maybe, maybe we get another Watson play. Yeah. I was going to say he may. Yeah. Sky better, three. better punt return his way down the field. <laughs> is what he better do. But no, 17, 84, 11. You could see those guys just streaking down the field. And, and hell, you know, Andy knows it. This is the first time he's seen Gus Bradley. Uh, and, and he knows exactly what he wants to do. Hell yeah. I, I am a fan of the big play, right? And and now you've been hearing all week about, oh, look at Tyreek Hill and 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 they don't, you know, they've lost him. You don't have the big play. Well, I like how many, how many, if you had to, let's go over, over under at four. How many? I think that's the number. How many 30 plus chunk plays do you see in this game for the Chiefs? I mean, the safe money's on the under, but just for dramatic effect, because I believe in what I'm talking about here, I'll take the over. Like, I, I think they are going to have an explosive passing game on Sunday. If you're somebody that's Mahomes into playing... Mahomes will throw it. Mahomes yeah, will throw if, it. If you're into playing daily fantasy sports, like, get yourself a bunch of Mahomes double stacks in this game. And go with wide receivers. Get yourself a little uniqueness. Go with McCole Hardman and Marquez Valdez-Scantling in this one with Patrick Mahomes as your quarterback. Like, I, I think there's a real chance that you see him... I think he wants to get Marquez Valdez-Scantling more involved because you haven't really seen a lot of him in the first couple of weeks. So I, I think he if I had one pick to click this week, it would be Marquez Valdez-Scantling getting at yeah. least two deep balls. And then you get another one to Watson and then another one to your guy, McCole Hardman. Ron. Yeah, McCole, McCole, this will be his day. What you were saying at the start of the show with, you know, you're a little bit worried about this game. It's a back-against-the-wall kind of game for – Frank Reich and Chris Ballard. Like, I totally agree with that. And I do think that you will get a good Frank Reich on Sunday. But one thing that we definitively know about Gus Bradley is that he just does not adapt. Like, he does not change the game plan. And if he does, it's going to be shocking to the entire But we know definitively that he just doesn't do that. Gus Bradley just absolutely does not do that for anybody. And we've already seen Patrick Mahomes carve this up. And the biggest problem facing the Colts defense, like Shaquille Leonard is a fantastic football player, you know, 
case he is the best linebacker in football, but that's not really their issue right now. Their issue is that, yeah, there's some players along that defensive line who can give you some problems, but they don't necessarily have stars. And Gus Bradley likes to put his secondary in a poor situation by banking on those guys getting pressure. Now, We've seen Patrick Mahomes get some pressure the first couple of weeks, so we'll see how that plays out. But Patrick Mahomes is Patrick Mahomes, and he can still get outside the pocket. He can still make plays. He can make miraculous deep down the field throws to Justin Watson. And they don't have the personnel in the secondary to totally shut down Patrick Mahomes. So I'm confident the Chiefs are going to be explosive in this game. I'm confident that they're going to drop 40 points. Hey, no, but but Serta, I'm not going to let you just gloss over that little small factoid that you threw out there about, you know, what he likes to do with the, uh, with the defensive line. That's where the problem can be because Yannick Ngakwe coming off the edge, potentially, especially with those two in the middle uh, with DeForest Buckner, who can be a big time problem. I mean, he, he, there's arguments at times last year, he was better than Chris Jones from the inside. All right. He is a really, really good football player, Grover Cleveland and, uh, Grover, uh, Grover Stewart, both of them, <laughs> which is one person, but Grover Stewart also can be a problem up front. Like that, that's where it has to be. And I think it's something that you can't just gloss over because Mahomes has been getting hit way too much. Uh, right. And first off, I obviously know they're not Bosa and, and Matt coming off the edge, but those two, the Chiefs were not very confident and their offensive line holding up. So completely changed the way that they wanted to play football. And none of the downfield stuff was happening. And he was still getting hit. So he's been getting hit in all of these games, even against the Cardinals when they put up 40-plus. And in this last game, he was getting hit. He's getting hit way too much. So, yes, all of the pretty stuff of those guys running down the field. But them five up front, they got to pick it up. And and right now, especially 0-7-7. He's you, we're talking about turnstile seven, seven, man. I know Bose is good, but there are, there are points where he just didn't have a chance. He's over there just surviving right now at times. So that, that, that I don't think we can just gloss over BK. That defensive line is maybe the strength of their team outside of Leonard. And that, that is what they're banking on giving them problems. And with the chiefs offensive line, you could still see that being a bit of an issue at times. It could be. I think it's totally different. Like you look at that Cardinals game and the reason why Mahomes was getting hit is because they were blitzing the daylights out of the Chiefs in that one. They had they had the numbers against the Chiefs O-line. You had a free rusher and Mahomes was just able to find the open guy as a result of that. So he was taking the hits, but he was also finding the open guy because of it. You'll take that trade off, even though it sucks seeing Mahomes get hit against the Chargers. They just they might have the best pass rushing duo in the NFL when you look at edge rushers around the league with Khalil Mack and Joey Bosa. And those guys are, I mean, it's a guarantee they're going to give you problems coming off of the edge. I am definitely concerned about this Chiefs O-line going up against Las Vegas, against Buffalo, against San Francisco. I'll be nervous again later this year when they take on the Chargers or the Broncos. Those are the games where I get nervous about this O-line because they've got the edge rushers that make me panic a little bit. They give me the cold sweats at night. This team doesn't. Quiddy Pay is fine. Yannick Ngakwe is okay. He'll get his. Like There will be moments where he makes Andrew Wiley look bad, and you're going to be frustrated by it. DeForest Buckner is a really good player, but 
so are Joe Tooney and Trey Smith. And I think the thing that was concerning about last week is Trey Smith did not have a good game. It was both in short yardage runs and also in pass pro. He didn't look right. And he was on the injury report earlier in the week. I'm guessing he didn't look right because he wasn't right physically and he just battled through it. Hopefully the last 10 days has been enough time for him to be able to get right physically. And if he is, I really don't have a whole lot of concerns about that Indianapolis defensive line. I think the fact that that is their strength tells you a lot about their team more so than it does just how good that D-line is. Well, and it's also worth mentioning that DeForest Buckner was limited participant in practice uh, earlier this week with the hip injury. Yannick Ngakwe also limited with the back injury. And Buckner was dealing with the back injury all throughout training camp. So I think he's just not 100% right now. I do think he's a great player, but I'm just not nearly – I just don't – I'm not afraid of this defensive line uh, in any way compared to what I thought about the Chargers last week. No, hell, no, hell, okay, I'm not saying that. (laughs) I'm just saying, I'm saying with all of the, the, the pretty thoughts of, hey, they're going to bust them up downfield, the oh, problem with could be is that, is that defensive line and the way that the Chiefs' offensive line has protected, hell, even in preseason, is not something you could just throw away, all right? Uh, okay, we'll, we'll see. I just I mean, he's been getting hit way too much, and that that's something – to watch. I watched them in the first game. They blitzed a little bit more than you thought. They even got a sack fumble off of a blitz, off of a linebacker off the edge in week one. The Colts did. So, all right, well, you know, we'll see. We'll see here. All right. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work questions including what are we missing when we work remotely or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking from the provocative to the technical we're offering insights you won't want to miss so tune in to the future of work a prop g pod special sponsored by canva you can find it on the prop g pod wherever you get your podcasts